Let's all lift one hand. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated. Grab your Bible and open it up to Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah chapter number 55. Lock in with me for just a few minutes. I want to get a couple of of keys to you before we dismiss today. Isaiah 55. Verse number eight is where we're going to start. Make sure you have your Bible with you. If you didn't bring your Bible, bring your Bible next time. We put it on the screen, but that's just so we can see it there and see it in our hand and in our lap. You can bring your Bible on your phone. You can bring your Bible on your iPad or whatever, but bring that Bible. Everybody say, bring that Bible. Isaiah 55, verse eight. When you're there, say, I'm there. Man, you guys are hungry for the word. Don't play with me. If you seriously sense the, 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 the hand of God, the presence of God in this room right now, just lift one hand and wave at me. Two people. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. Foundation verses for our series we're in, the love affair, falling in love with the Bible. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven, everybody say, not here. here. We're done with snow. And returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it Bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it, that's the word, but the word shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Bible is not an opinion. The Bible is the, the stone that all other theories are broken on or proven on. But the Bible is the reference to every truth that you should ever stand on as a believer. And if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't know your legal rights. And if you don't know your legal rights, you could be being pushed around. If you don't know your legal rights, you could be going through something that you weren't supposed to have to go through because you didn't know you have an authority or a position in that certain area. So for you and for me, falling in love with the Bible through the love affair is, is not just a concept that we are to... Think through haphazardly, it should become a lifestyle, but what has happened in the church, and and not New Heights, I'm just talking the church in general, what has happened in the church is we have taken supplements and used them as replacements. In the morning, I get up every morning, and and, uh, one of the first things I do after I get cleaned up and get dressed and everything is I drink a glass full of, of greens of some kind. Don't ask me what's in it. But it is green, and it tastes exactly how it looks. Come on, somebody. I then, I then uh, take a multivitamin. 
And then I take a vitamin C on top of my multivitamin. I also take a vitamin D. I just take stuff. You know what I'm saying? Put it on the table. I take it. It's kind of the way I go. But those are supplements. They are supplemental to my diet, to what I consume. They are not supposed to be what I consume. So if all I did was take my multivitamin, my vitamin C, and my vitamin D, and my greens, this time next year, if I was still alive, you wouldn't recognize me. Because I would have changed a supplement into a replacement. And the body of Christ has tried to use supplements, things that should be supplemental and probably are good in their current, uh, in their desired, uh, in where they, in, in how they should be applied, a supplement, but they are detrimental if they are used as a replacement and not a supplement. Does this make sense? So in other words, a podcast is not a replacement for your time with God. I just love how they teach. I love how they talk. They're so funny. Oh my gosh, it's just five minutes and it just sets me up for my week. Nothing wrong with that. But that's vitamin C. That's not what you're supposed to be consuming on a regular basis. It's what you're supposed to be supplementing what you are consuming with. Because the, the even church on a Sunday morning, this is supposed to be a supplement to your life. It is supposed to be an addition to your walk with God. In other words, I can't tell you how many times I'll be, I'll be going through HEB. I remember I was at HEB the other day and I was going through, I was getting my groceries and beep, 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 beep. And I, I like to cook and stuff. So I had all the groceries and ladies goes to church. She's a very nice lady. She goes, Oh my gosh, it's so funny. I said, what? She goes, to see you like doing normal things. And I was like, okay, yeah, praise the Lord, you know. But I can't tell you how many times I'm walking through the grocery store. I'm walking somewhere. I see somebody. I said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it, man. What you were praying. I was reading that same verse this week. You know who's never said that to me? Somebody that doesn't read their Bible. So they're relying on a supplement to sustain them. They took a supplement and they made it a replacement. And now they're living in a deficiency. Your body wasn't made to run on Netflix and YouTube. Your spirit wasn't made to run on Instagram stories. Your spirit was made to thrive off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, a.k.a. his holy Bible. And when you are consuming it, you are thriving, baby. No, you don't understand. As soon as I start reading the Bible, I feel like I got thrown in the fire. Well, give Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a high five for me. You are thriving when you have the word of God on the inside of you. And you are deficient when you do not. In other words, you are playing golf with one club. You can still play. You just can't be as effective as you would have been. So the word of God must become the epicenter of our life and our belief structure. And we must teach our children to fall in love with its pages. 
And your children do not do what you say all the time. But almost without exception, they do what you do. That's why most people that are complaining, the reality is, is they're living in a garden of what they planted. They just don't like the fruit. Kids will, will, will make you real honest real quick or send you into a heightened layer of denial. If you'll get honest, God can work it out. If you stay in denial and explain everything like the world explains everything, then you'll have the world's problems. But at the end of it, our job is to teach them to be absolutely enamored with its pages. I remember... The church we came from, we may sing it here. I don't remember. But when I remember when our baby, our first baby, Haley, who, by the way, sang up here just a minute ago and did a dynamite job. But our first baby, you know, she was a little tiny. And so when, when we were at uh, the church we came from, like when, when we had, wherever our kids were, I always recommend you serving there. So when our kids were in nursery, Crystal served in nursery and, and actually took on the nursery responsibilities of all the scheduling and everything and all that. And so all of our kids, they've all, our kid, we've always been with our kids even while we're serving. And I remember one of the first things that they said was, well, you know, while the kids are in nursery, of course, I'm standing there because Crystal you know, wanted me to go in there or something. So I'm holding the baby like this. And, and the lady who's, who's helping Crystal kind of get to know how the nursery works, because we, you know, we never had kids before. And she goes, you know, we're, we're changing their diapers, doing all these other things. I said, but also we're teaching them this beautiful song. And I don't remember how the song went, but it was all about loving the Bible. They were like six months old. Like, this is my Bible, this is my Bible, I protect it, I protect it, this is my Bible, this is my Bible, I'm in love with it, I'm in love with it, this is my Bible, this is my Bible, Jesus is inside it, Jesus is inside it, this is my Bible, this is my Bible, Jesus is in me, Jesus is in me. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, this is exactly where I want my kid to be all the time. Because if you can get it in them, then what happens in the moment when they need it and they can't get you on the phone? Out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. But we have to teach them to fall in love with the Bible because the Bible is the only thing that won't return void. Like, think about it. Jesus fought the devil with the Bible. He said, it is written. The three times he was tempted in the wilderness, his response started with, it is written, which is the exact same thing as saying, the Bible says blank. That's how you fight the devil. Because that's how Jesus fight the devil. So how do you know we're supposed to do that? Because these things and greater shall you do. But if you don't know the Bible, you'll think you need to pray and sweat for 700 hours to get some little tiny demon out of, off of you. You don't have to do all that. Sometimes prayer and fasting, but you got some massive authority. You got some major swag in the spirit, but you don't know it if you don't know the Bible. And if, if, you're, if you're thinking that a supplemental intake of the word is going to be sufficient to replace what is your responsibility... I'm going to say that again, just because I, I, I say not cute, but effective. It won't replace your responsibility. My incredible ability to communicate the word of God will not 
absolutely will not alleviate your responsibility from reading the Bible for yourself. My inability to communicate the word does not alleviate your responsibility. You're not going to go to heaven and say, yeah, well, Pastor Brian really didn't talk about that much, Jesus. He's going to say, I gave you two eyes. I gave you a mind. What were you doing? Because at the end of this, it's the Bible that won't return void. It's the Bible that will accomplish. When God said, let there be light, light didn't like start negotiating. Because the word accomplishes what God sends the word out to accomplish. This is at any age, at any level, young, old, in between. But if you don't know what it says, then you can't stand on it. Because what you stand on is what it says. Let me just say this too, because this is kind of taking a turn here. You interpret the Bible with the Bible. So if you don't understand a part of the Bible, it doesn't mean you need to read less of it. It means you need to read more of it. It means there's an element that you might not have tied together yet. You remember the Bible says he's the lily among thorns? Do you remember when Abraham took Isaac, when Abraham took Isaac up the hill and there was a ram caught in the thorns? This was after Isaac asked Abraham, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham told Isaac, God's going to provide a lamb. They got up to the top. The sacrifice was about to be made. And all of a sudden, God stopped the hand of Abraham. He looked over and there was a ram caught in the bushes. Can't you just picture the lily among thorns with his head in the thorns? Now let's go to Calvary. What was the, what was the crown he wore made out of? You interpret the Bible with the Bible, but if you don't read the Bible, you can't tie all that together. Does this make sense? Now, certainly there's teachers and preachers that are, you know, it's a big part of my calling to reveal some of these things and a lot of these things to you. But, but revelation is not relegated only to those in the fivefold ministry. Revelation is for everybody, but you have to look. You have to take time to find it. You say, well, I don't have time. Well, I would say you're too busy. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying, you know, all this other stuff. I, his yoke is easy and his burden's light. Either his word is true or it is not. So you get your confession lined up with his word, but you have to know his word to line your confession up with his word. Does this make sense? You don't know who you are until you find out who you are in the book. You'll go the rest of your life calling yourself a sinner unless you find out that his book says that you know long, that everything you did has passed away. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And again, to the world, that sounds a little kooky to say, I'm not a sinner. Well, I know you've sinned before. I didn't say I hadn't sinned. I said, I'm not a sinner. Who in here has ever played football? Who in here is still a football player? Just because you did a thing doesn't mean you are a thing. If the world wants to label you a sinner, stop letting the world rewrite the Bible. Here's one. Christians are supposed to be poor. I think we covered that pretty well earlier, but just because the world thinks that, just because the world is okay with somebody, you know, making a movie 
filled with nothing but filth that will send people to hell eventually. Doing that, becoming successful, having 15 different houses, only years later for the veil to be pulled back to find out that they are filled with more filth than could ever be imagined. Why do they get to determine what Christians are supposed to be like? When the Bible says what we're supposed to be like. Here's one. Think about everything you've ever seen in a movie that you know was just absolutely demonic. Bring me a chair up here, Jake. Please. Thank you. Right here. Thank you very much. Every single movie you've ever seen with scenes like that was thought about, imagined, written down, scratched out, changed. Oh, that's probably too much. They probably won't let me keep that rating if I do that, so I'll cut that out. Oh, no, I've already passed the rating, so let's go ahead and add some other stuff. All of it came through somebody's imagination. It didn't just pop on the screen. Don't raise your hands because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But anybody who's ever had the thought, man, I'm really smart because I figured the movie, the end of the movie out from the beginning of the movie. I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble, but somebody wrote that movie and gave the clues. Like it was written to be figured out. That's what attracts us to movies. So we'll sit there and watch it. Oh, I think they're going to do something. I think that's a bad guy. I think that's going to be a hero. Movies are kind of all the same script. Just too much. So if, if wickedness and perversion gets into somebody's mind, they write it out, they bring people in, sit them in a chair, and tell them to audition for a scene where for the rest of their life and for the rest of eternity, people will see compromising things and positions. And then we are shocked 10 years later when the guy who wrote it and the guy who thought about it and the guy who meditated about it turns out to be filthy to the core. Why are we shocked? The reason it's happening is because it all starts in the mind. But we treat a movie as if it's something. That was something in somebody's mind. Your imagination is one of the most powerful things that you have. Because you'll either be imagining the goodness of God into your life, or you'll be imagining contrary things into your life. And the exact same way that the building that we're going to build over there didn't start with a building. It started in a mind, and then it got on paper, and sooner or later, it will turn to brick and mortar. But it starts in your mind. That's why the word of God is so critical because it renews your mind. It takes it back to the original state which is already in congruence with God because before he formed you, he knew you. And the plans that he has are better than the plans you can come up with in this atmosphere. So then your plans start to get in line with his plans and you realize your life is not about thinking everything Uh, originally, your life is about finding out what he thinks about you. Well, I want to have my original thought. Well, then you should have made yourself. 
Does this make sense? Because if you would have made yourself, then you would have that right. How many of you are wearing a watch right now? I'm not. I don't know why I put my hand up. (laughs) The name of the watch was dictated by the watchmaker. You don't get to tell everything about yourself because you didn't make you. I don't like that. Well, then don't like the rest of the Bible too. But get off the fence about it. The Bible says it's, 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 better, it's better to choose than not choose. The Bible says if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out. You can't take half God. You can't take a part of him and act like everything's going to work out according to the kingdom. You can't sit back and cross your arms with the, the blockade of I'm just not going to listen to any of this. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get me some Popeye's chicken and think it's just going to somehow penetrate your blockade of haughtiness and arrogance. God doesn't work with haughtiness and arrogance. He rejects the proud. That's why our church is experiencing what it's experienced right now because we have a group of people that are just like, you know what, I just want Jesus and I really don't care what anybody thinks about me. That's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing and, and I might just add, this is only the beginning. Because this move that we're a part of, certainly we're gonna be a part of it, but it's not about us, it's about him and it's about his kingdom. And if you look, I don't care how you vote, how you don't vote, America, not America, other countries, whatever, the world's getting more wicked by the minute. And if you don't know the Bible, you would just stop there. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So for you and for me, it comes down to not just falling in love with the Bible for the sake of some religious ideology. Religion has nothing to do with this at all. Religion tells you what not to do. Jesus changes you. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was wanting to uh, tit for tat. I said, man, I'm not going to tit for tat for you. You're, you're trying to have an argument. I'm not trying to have an argument. I'm talking about Jesus. Well, what do you mean Jesus? It's the Son of God. Jesus. Well, I mean, I, I like Jesus too, but there's some other things. I said, well, you believe he's the way, the truth, and the life? He said, man, I like him. Said, Do you think he's the only way to heaven? Well, I'm not sure about that. I said, then we disagree. I'm not mad at you, but we disagree. Stop acting like I agree with you. I'm telling you, I don't agree with you. Well, that just sounds closed-minded. It is to those other ideas. Why? Because my mind has been renewed. How? It was transformed through the washing of the water of the word. How much more so? On the regular basis. Well, how does it happen? It never stops. I'm going to give you one more example, then we're going to close. You have to get to a place. Yeah, that's with one arm Jake used to. Um, <laughs> when you're driving, You think they can take one more? Huh? Or you just want to go eat chicken? Matt says stop. Tiffany says go. We'll go. When you're driving, usually there's a ditch on both sides. And your life is filled with adjustments. 
When you're driving, you should be adjusting all the time. And the moment you stop adjusting, you might not crash right then, but you're headed that way. Either oncoming or an inanimate object. But as long as you're in the lane, it's like these subtle adjustments. There's never going to be a time when you stop adjusting. When you do stop adjusting, it's, it, you're that much closer to the wreck. But when you're in the lane, it's like this little bitty adjustment. And let's just say there's a ditch on both sides. And for the sake of conversation, this ditch over here is like the super holy roller ditch. Like all you speak is King James over here. And I'm not saying like that that's wrong, but I've only met a few people in my life that are, that are, you know, full tilt, holy roller ditch, never come out. I've heard this said before, like, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm of no earthly good. But again, I've only met a few people that, and I'm not the judge of it, but I've only met a few people that I thought were even close to that. And you, you might know one or two in your life that like, like you can't even have a conversation with them. And, I, and, and like if me and Jake are talking in my office, we're going to spend a lot of time discussing the Greek and the Hebrew. So that's kind of like where the ditch makes sense. He's saved, I'm saved. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're passionate about the Word. We're passionate about raising families. We're passionate about the things of God. We're passionate about New Heights Church. We're passionate about the kingdom. So we're, we have all this congruence. So for me to say, hey, Jake, let's like this morning we were going through a chapter and it was just... It was just like revelation. Pow, 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 pow. We're in the ditch. But 75% of what we said this morning, if we were to be talking to somebody on a street corner that didn't know Jesus loved them, they wouldn't have understood any of this. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever talk like this. It just you have to understand it's a ditch, right? Like if they don't know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, maybe ease up on the seven scrolls. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what they need is Jesus. He's the entry point. And then the rest of your life is adjustment. And let's call this other ditch whatever, whatever your ditch is. Maybe you're, an, maybe you're just a smart aleck all the time. And you know it's a ditch. You say, well, can you never be funny? My goodness, who would want to be boring? Nobody. But if you just stay stuck in the ditch... Sometimes it's, it's easier to get in than it is to get out. Maybe, you're, maybe your ditch is arrogance. Maybe your ditch is haughtiness. Maybe your ditch is, a, is just you're callous about everything. There's no feeling to you. You react to nothing. You're like, you're like a piece of wood. Maybe your ditch is racism. Maybe you come from a background or a family that tolerated those kinds of things. And it's easy for you to get in this ditch because you've been here before. Maybe your ditch is, is being caught up with a game on your phone indefinitely when you know doggone good and well you should have been talking to your kids. Is this too real? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's a ditch. You get over and, and, and like nobody wants to go in the ditch. 
It's not like you woke up and it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to be a jerk today. You're just in the ditch. But here's the deal. The adjustments that you use when you're in your lane are not the same adjustments you use to get you out of a ditch. Because if you make a little subtle adjustment in the ditch, the ditch will just laugh at you. The ditch doesn't care about subtle adjustments. And if you're worried while you're in the ditch about being too much of a holy roller, may I just present to you, maybe you should find some time in the holy roller ditch and then try to balance the thing out. Because at the end of this thing, the world has enough ammo or has enough info against the church that it doesn't need any more Christians in the ditch talking about Christians. I heard somebody say one time, Jesus I love, it's Christians that drive me crazy. That's because we got so many Christians in the ditch. Well, our church is right because of this, 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 and this. I love the Lord. He is so faithful. He is the fullness of my life. I cannot wait to get to church. Who is that in my chair? (laughs) That wouldn't happen in church. I've been in church a minute. I've seen some stuff happen in church. But you got to decide, I'm not even getting close to the doggone ditch. And the minute you find yourself in the ditch, there's two, there's a few things that happen. First off, the adjustment to keep you in the lane is not the adjustment you use to get out of the ditch. The throttle that you use in the lane is not the same throttle that you use whenever you're in the ditch. I'm from East Texas. I met somebody earlier from East Texas, so I'm going to quantify a little bit further. I am from Southeast Texas. I'm a country kid. It was not unusual for us to be in muddy situations. For whatever reason, we sought them out. And you can get yourself stuck way easier than you can get yourself out. But the problem is, When you're in the ditch and it's revealed to you, we used to ride four-wheelers and stuff, and it was without, like, exception. Somebody would be, wow, and they'd get stuck, and they'd be trying to bounce their four-wheeler back and forth. But all of my accent just comes out like 10x whenever I start thinking back at this time in my life. But they'd be on their four, they're mud flying everywhere. And they're like, you want me to pull you out? And everybody without exception says, no, I got it. They got nothing. You know what they don't want? They don't want to be pulled out. I want to get out. I just don't want to be pulled out. Because when you get pulled out, it's always the guy on the machine that you thought your machine was better than their machine. 
And so they're sitting there on their machine that you thought your machine was better than their machine. And they're standing there with a rope or, 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 a, or, a, or a winch or something. And they're going, I can pull you out anytime you want. And you're sitting there in your head going, I ain't letting them pull me out for nothing. You're stuck. But you'd rather stay stuck than be pulled out by them. You're flipping through the channels. You've landed on a Christian station and somebody's got blue hair and eyelashes that are tickling the camera and they're dropping revelation after revelation after revelation. But you can't even hear it because I don't want to be pulled out by nobody with long eyelashes. Why is Joel Osteen smile that much? I don't want to be pulled out with somebody that smiles all the time. So you stay in your ditch. Womp, 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 womp. All the while, Joe's over going, come on, God wants to give you a better life. Come on right here. I love Joel Osteen. He's a friend of mine. You don't want to be pulled out. Ah. In other words, you got a list of people you would have received it from. <laughs> there, was a, there was a prophet, and he was visited by a king. He said, man, I got leprosy. I need you to fix the leprosy. And a prophet sent his servant out, told the guy, go bathe in the river seven times. And the man got mad. He goes, are you crazy? Don't you know? He should have come out here and met me and talked to me face to face. Doesn't he know who I am? In other words, I want out of this ditch, but I don't want out that way. And one of the servants, he said to him, he said, listen, it was an easy thing he told you to do. If it was hard, you would have done it. But since it's easy, why don't you just go try it? Listen, sometimes it's harder to receive from an angle or direction that you weren't expecting it to come from. And I've always found that God seems to work in the angles and areas that we weren't expecting. And then it's on us. Because if it was me and I was going to redo this kingdom, baby, I would have brought a king with horses and I would have invented airplanes back then. And the first airplanes they would have ever seen would have been the day Jesus came flying into Jerusalem. But instead, here comes a king with no crown riding on somebody else's donkey. And everybody says, I'll receive a king, but not that way. I want the king, but not that way. And we put, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And we put these limiting agents on him. And all the while, he's been sending messengers and messages. And he's moved us. And he's picked us up. And he's shifted us. And he's planted us. And he's placed us. And he's done all these different things. All the while, ropes are just hanging there, ready to pull us out. And we're just so confident that we can get ourselves out. And if I can, I don't want you pulling me out. That we spend more time in the ditch than we do in our lane. But that's what the word does. The word takes you and pulls you in places and in ways that you never knew you needed. 
But the only way you find out is you read it. Oh, I'm not saying stop looking at Facebook and the the verse of the day and all that. Share it. I get it. That's a supplement. You want to see this region change? You want to see your whole family change? Let your kids hear you read the Bible out loud in your house. Stop before school and say, all right, guys, let's pray. That might feel a little awkward when you do it. Yeah, it's going to feel a little awkward to get pulled out of that ditch. But then when you get in your lane, baby, now it doesn't take this to get out. It's just a little adjustment. Remember he said, I, I want to run my race. You'll get disqualified in a sprint if you get in somebody else's lane. When you stay in your lane, you're unstoppable. And when you find yourself out of it, you got to do anything and everything to get back in because the adjustment that it takes to stay in the lane is not the same adjustment it takes you to get out. And you got to do anything at all costs to get out of that lane, get out of that ditch. I was talking to a lady that gave her life to God this morning. I said, this is a new kingdom. Whatever you used to do, now do this. It's a life for a life, and it's an exchange. It's his life for your life. That's what Jesus offers. Anything else is not the gospel. So if you thought this was just a decision and then you live how you want Monday through Friday and then, and then Saturday you really tie one on and then Sunday you repent about it and then you start over again, that's not the kingdom. That is debauchery. The kingdom understands it's our reasonable service to prevent, present our life as a living sacrifice and to make the adjustments to stay in the lane. And if we ever find ourselves close to the ditch, do whatever it takes to get out of that ditch that we might be effective for those that don't know him yet. So if you haven't read the Bible, start with the book of John. Look for everything Jesus said. Don't miss next week. Hopefully, I'm going to get to preach my message that I've got. I love it. It's a good message. It's getting longer. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Hopefully, I'm going to get to preach this great message. We teach about the different sections of the Bible. I almost put out. It's like you know. Remember whenever you were? Well, I don't know if when when you're like school and you dissected like. I think we dissected a cat in school. A cat? Did we dissect a cat? I bet you can't do that now. Did we, a cat? Did you dissect a cat? You dissected a cat this week? I don't think you can. I think we didn't dissect a cat. We probably did in East Texas. We dissected a frog. I remember that. I think we did dissect a cat. My point is, we're going to dissect the word of God so that you stop looking at it like this big glob and you realize there's parts of it that are for this and parts of it that are this and parts of it they're not less important but they have a different emphasis if that makes sense so that you can find the areas that you need to find when you need to find them 
Does that make sense? That's where we're trying to get to. We've been trying for five weeks. Jake saw my notes. He goes, this is crazy. I said, what? He said, I've never seen this many notes in your, in your book ever. I said, I know, man. I'm ready. And every time I get up here, I hear the Holy Ghost. I feel the wind of God just blow in a different direction. That's another significant difference. You can't be so committed to the information that you don't flow with the inspiration. Because if you realize what the inspiration comes from, it comes from the inspiration. It's coupled with the information that you acquired. So the more information you have, the more inspiration you can flow with. Because he works with what he has, with what you put in yourself. So the rivers of living water that come out of you are directly proportional to the amount of the water of the word that you put on the inside. So if you just have a drop of the word, that's going to spit out. But if you have consumed the word of God and you didn't just consume it like a supplemental pill, come on somebody, then you have that river that can flow out in a moment. And now that inspiration can set somebody free. Can you say amen to that? Stand to your feet. I'm done teaching.